0: Today we have some special, special guests from the Solomon Islands. Pastor and Mrs. Wayne Baum, Brady, and also their other son, Jacob. You folks thought I was gonna forget that, didn't you? But I didn't. Uh, These folks come originally from Australia, but they're real missionaries working for God in the Solomon Islands. We were in the Solomons a few months ago, and there we saw the power and the glory of God and they're going to tell you the amazing story and also what's happened since we left. So you're going to meet them, real missionaries today from the Solomon Islands. I want to say to all the viewers today who are watching this telecast, how much I appreciate your magnificent support. That great campaign in Honiara, the Solomon Islands, would never have happened without your support. I wanna thank all the people in Australia. You rose to the occasion magnificently, as well as my marvelous friends across this great country of the United States of America, from Great Britain and around the world. I wanna say this to you. If you would like to be on our mailing list and there's no obligation, please write to me at the addresses now appearing on the screen, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358, and also to the address in Terrigal, New South Wales, Australia. I'd like you to become one of my special friends and supporters in the greatest work in all the world, the preaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we have some really good music. We have Christia and Joel and they're going to come now and bring us some music from the throne of God. Would you please welcome them today <laughs>
1: <laughs> Blessed as you. is my song Praising my Savior All the day long Perfect submission Perfect delight Visions of rapture now burst inside sight. Angels descending, the ring from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. THIS IS MY STORY THIS IS MY SONG RAISING MY SAVIOR ALL THE DAY LONG THIS IS MY STORY THIS IS Savior All the day long Perfect submission All is at rest His love This is
0: give to you today the warmest welcome. My friends in Australia, my friends across the United States, my friends in Great Britain, Russia, even Saudi Arabia, because I know you're watching. So we want to give you today an extraordinary warm welcome. Now folks, we have some dinky die missionaries with us. I want you to know they're fair dinkum, And they're true blue. (laughs) You folks, no reaction at all. You you folks sitting here haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, but but I can tell you the folks in Sydney know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. We have Pastor and Mrs. Wayne Bohm with us today, Uh, Brady and uh, Jacob, and they're a great missionary family. Some people think they're missionaries when they go overseas and uh, they just sit behind a big desk (laughs) Um, where it's all nice and air conditioned but I've been to the Solomon Islands and folks, I tell you quite candidly, it's not a place that I would choose to live. But they're choosing to live there and I can tell you why. Um, Won't tell you much now because uh, it's a part of the interview because I offered them a job here. And they just said to me, without, you know, second guessing it, God has called us to work in the Solomon Islands uh, where there's malaria and it's, it's hot and it's steamy and sometimes it is dangerous. Who or what is a missionary? A missionary is a person on a mission. Are you a missionary? Bless your heart, I'm a missionary. I'm a person on a mission. I'm a missionary to the United States of America. (laughs) Folks, a missionary is a person who has a mission. Now the word missionary today is no longer respected like it used to be because of that ideology which is called political correctness. People associate missionaries with colonialism, so be it. Jesus was a missionary and all the great saints of the Bible, all of them were missionaries. Come over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and I'm going to give you a little bit of theology that may shake you up a little bit. I sincerely hope it will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to say this to all of my friends in the ministry who are watching this program, I want to say to you, I guarantee, well I shouldn't say that, but I don't think that possibly you've studied this text, I think possibly you've never got the implications of this text, so please have a look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27 and onwards, have you got it? Now you are the body of Christ, this is the church. Each one of you is a part of it. You'd never guess it, would you, with some folks? You'd never guess it. You'd never guess they were a part of the church. I say to people, what would the church be like if everybody was like you, brother? If everybody was like you, sister, and you came to church at half past 11, what would the church be like? What What would the church be like if everybody gave the same amount in offerings that you give. Well you say, well possibly there wouldn't be a church. But notice what it says here. Now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. And in the church, God, now notice the word God because God is in charge of the church. Not a bunch of people. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Now, this is not a heresy. I ask you, are you and I prepared to lay aside our traditions and follow the Bible? That's the question. Some people say, well, we don't have any traditions. Well, this will test you. The Bible says, number seven, administrators. People say, no, 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 you got it wrong. Number one, administrators. No, number seven. Administrators, are unimportant, tremendously important because the administrators are the people who hold it together. But firstly, the Bible, and Bill Hybels here in the United States says in the church, not all leaders are administrators and not all administrators are leaders. Don't forget it, administrator. Now the Bible says, God has said in the church, first of all, apostles. Now, I'm a little bit rusty on my Greek, but whenever I have an opportunity to show that I once knew Greek, I take the opportunity. Now, if I get it wrong, and if you're watching on television and you see it, you can write to me. Uh, I'll get Susie not to give it to me. Apos. Uh, Apostello, I think that's the word. Apostello, it means to send. A modern speech translation says that this verse should not be translated apostles, though it, it should be, but what it really means in today's language is a missionary. And so that translation says, God has put first in the church missionaries. In other words, the greatest gift that you can have is to be a missionary. A person who was sent forth by God to preach the gospel. Now verse 29 says, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing, to all speak in tongues, to all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now, the, the Bible tells me that there are greater and lesser gifts. The greatest gift, my friend, is to be an apostle, a missionary sent forth to preach the word of God. Well, it's logical. The most important work in all the world is leading souls to Christ. The most important work in all the world is to preach the Bible and to preach the gospel of Christ. Now some of you folks know, I have now been preaching full time for 50 years. 50 years this month, 50 years without a break. People say, I can believe it, you seem to go on forever listen to me people say well why don't you retire because my friend uh, I uh, I am not paid to do what I do I would do it whether I were paid or not because I have a calling from God I know of some ministers who say I've only got another five years and I'm on sustentation you're on it now brother you've never been called now the bombs I can tell you have been called what is the mission it is in today's world a controversial concept it is politically incorrect in today's liberal secular world even controversial in today's church where people do not want to be disturbed but you know the old saying I'm here by the grace of God to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And there are too many in the church who want to live a life of indolence and ease because they have never been born again. They're on the church roll. But down here on this earth, but they're not on the roll in heaven. And my friend, if you have to make a choice, you better have your name on the roll in heaven. Now, let me read you a few texts about the mission. And I'm going to fly and then we're going to get the bombs to come up here. God bless them. We're so glad to have them here. Uh, come over here to Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 8 and I want you to notice these texts and pray that God and I say to all my ministerial friends and I say to my beloved uh, friends in, in administration, I say to the world church, please let us ask God to help us to understand because I feel that many, many people don't understand this. Verse 1, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. If you are not saved by Christ, the Bible says you're dead. Now, People say, I don't believe that. I've had heaps of people come to me and say, no, a person is saved if he is sincere in what he believes. I've, I've heard this a thousand times. A person is saved because he's sincere. If he's a Hindu and sincere, he's saved. If he's a Muslim and sincere, he's saved. I want to tell you, you and I cannot be saved apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells me that without Christ, we are dead. That's what the Bible says. People say, I don't want to believe this. That's because you don't want me to disturb your comfort zone. I plan to do so. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Somebody came to my great friend, Pastor Lloyd Grolleman, who's taken over my great church. Still haven't gotten over that, Lloyd. And they said to him, lay off the preaching and go over to Africa and feed the starving millions and the Australian government will give you some money. They'll subsidize you. He said, I plan to keep on preaching. The man said, a member of the church, no, no, no. It's more important to feed people. My friend, you can, and I believe in feeding people. I fed more people than perhaps anybody in this church. But what's the use of feeding people and filling up their bellies if they go to hell? If you want to save people, then you bring them Christ and feed them at the same time, but never give up preaching the gospel. The Bible says we were by nature objects of wrath. Without Christ, we are lost and doomed and damned objects of wrath. You say, I don't like that word. Well I never wrote it. Verse eight, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and that not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. I am saved by the grace of God and I accept it by faith. And then verse uh, 12, it describes the world. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. I've had people look me in the eye and say, I don't believe that. Well, I believe the Bible. And the Bible says that the people, I don't care who they are, any person outside of Christ is without hope and without God in the world, an object of Wrath, an old friend of mine of many, many years said to me some years ago, he heard me preach and he didn't like what I preached. He said, you believe this because you are an evangelist. I said, no, my friend, I am an evangelist because I believe this. That's the difference. He said, oh no, you you just believe it because that's what you do, my friend, come alive. I'm an evangelist because I believe these texts. Otherwise, I'd be sitting over in Terranor watching my beautiful grass grow. Or sitting on the beach at Coolangatta, whistling to the seagulls. I believe it. Look at Acts chapter four and verse 12. That is why we run evangelistic campaigns around the world. People say, we don't understand why you do it. Well, it's because you don't understand the gospel. Acts four verse 12, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It is Jesus only. And we're not gonna turn up this text but it's found in Acts 16. In verse 30 to 34, those of you who are taking notes, the question is asked, what must I do to be saved? What does it say? What did Paul say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I am saved when I come to Christ and I believe on his name. That's how I'm saved. And so when I run an evangelistic campaign, my great driving force is to get men and women to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Come over here to the words of our blessed Lord, Luke 24. Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 24, verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. That's what we need. We need God to open our minds, that maybe is what you need, my friend. So he opened their minds. He's talking to the church here, to the church members, the disciples. He told them this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead and on the third day, on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Bible tells me it. Is look at me, it is the purpose of the church that the message of Christ is a message of a crucified Christ, the message of a risen Christ, the message of a soon coming Christ. This message will be preached to the world and people will repent of their sins and come to God. People say that doesn't sound like the church today. No, it's not, at least in this part of the world. The church is not called to be a cozy, semi-sophisticated club of people who don't want to be disturbed. It is called to be missionaries. Now that is why some people find it incomprehensible. They say, Why, why are you you're going after Russia against so, it? Yeah, that'll be number 41 times. 41st time when I go next. This is why we've gone to Russia and seen thousands and thousands, even hundreds of thousands, come to Christ. Why we've gone to Ukraine. It's not over yet, over there. Why we've gone to Ukraine and the Philippines and Africa and India and the Solomon Islands. These, look at these crowds. They say it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work for them, does it? Look at India. (laughs) India, Uh, the Solomon Islands and it would happen here in America and in Australia if we put our money where it ought to go into the preaching of the gospel of Christ and if we had faith in God. So many people say, and that is why we hired the Sydney Opera House and ran meetings there every Saturday afternoon and often in the evenings for five months. People said, couldn't happen. How do those people expect to be saved when they don't have any faith? A leader is an apostle. An apostle is not called to stop it happening. (laughs) He is called to make it happen. Never forget it. A leader gets it done. He doesn't give you a million reasons why he doesn't have any money. Jesus was talking to Peter and the disciples and he said these words, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. On another occasion, our blessed Lord said, you've taken away the key of knowledge. What are these keys? The key is the gospel. It is the knowledge of the gospel that opens the door to paradise. And as I preach here today, I tell you in the name of God, I have the keys of the kingdom. And if you've been called by God, and everybody has, if you've been called to be a missionary, then what are you doing with the keys? Now I want to be a Bible Christian. If you believe this great truth that I'm telling today, and if you help share it, you are a missionary. And today it is my honor, because I consider it an honor to have with us some real missionaries. Would you please welcome from the Solomon Islands, Pastor and Mrs. Bohm, Jacob, and Brady. <laughs> nice to see you. Nice to see you. How you doing, partner? hmm Good to see you. I'm going to use this microphone. Um, you see these two men over here. They are the assistant managers of the Great Solomon Islands campaign. I'm telling you. Yeah, I put them on the payroll. These two men are the assistant managers, and I told them while they're here, they're in charge of everything they can see. In charge of the television, <laughs> my assistant managers. But too bad. It, for you guys, it's a Sabbath because today you're not going to get paid. Now, uh, Pastor Baum, bon, tell me a little bit about the Solomon Islands.
2: Solomon Islands is located four, about four hours off the coast of Australia, north-northeast. It's hot and it's humid.
0: Um, how do you like living in the Solomons?
2: It's hot and it's humid. It's a great place to live. The, 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 uh, we have great friends there that we've um, uh, met this year. And as I said to them before I left, it's a place now that it was a, a spot on the map before. Mm. And now there's family, church family there. Uh, Mrs. Baum, where were you folks living before you went
0: to the South? Now, you were a member of my church at Warunga, Isn't that right? Uh, weren't they good days? Now, wait on. you. <laughs> where were you living before you were called to the Solomons?
3: We were in Tasmania, right down the bottom of Australia.
0: And of course, the further south you go in Australia, just the hotter it gets, is that right?
3: <laughs> no, it was cold, very, very cold.
0: So you got snow down there on occasions, and, uh, but you were called to go to the Solomons. Now,
2: were the Solomons always civilised? Hasn't always been the case. Back in the 1800s, early 1900s, full of um, heathenism, um, occult worship, devil worship, uh, cannibalism. So there's been a real transformation that's taken place over the last 100 years. Tell me
0: about uh, the cannibalism. Did these folks, and we had, you know, vast numbers of them come to the meetings, and I thought, what beautiful people they are. But their ancestors, only back a few years, were eating people.
2: I was reading through the diaries of my grandfather a number of, or back 12 months ago, and he was recounting stories where they would go into particular villages and they would eye off the the calf muscles of of them as they walked in, um, because that was the best part to eat.
0: I'm not so sure I'm going to accept your invitation and go back. Um, that was 100 years ago. You're referring to Pastor Eric Baum, now, ladies and gentlemen. I was the pastor of a church in Australia called the Gosford Church and I ran a campaign there and a person who came to that campaign and was like a father to me was Pastor Eric Bohm, your grandfather. What job did he
2: have back some years ago? My grandfather was president of the Bismarck-Solomons Union Mission which took into account the, the Solomon Islands. So
0: you're really walking in his footsteps. Yeah. How do you feel about that?
2: Incredible honor to be working there in, in that, that position. And, and we hear stories now of, of what um, our grandfather did in that particular place, people he met, people that, that knew him. Uh, it's a real joy to be working there. I've met lots and lots of people down through the years,
0: millions, I guess. I don't think I've met a better family than the Baum family. Your grandfather and uh, his wife, I ran this campaign. Uh, we had four sessions a day in those days. Uh, he came to every meeting, and he was there for me and supported me. Now, Carol, you come from the, uh, the great Warunga Church, where I used to be the pastor, yeah. Now, Lloyd Grollerman's the pastor. In the church, we have Ray and Lola Anderson. You were an Anderson. OK, tell us about your grandfather.
3: Uh, Pastor JD Anderson and his wife, Guinevere, they were uh, over in the Solomon Islands as well. He was president for the Solomon Islands many, many years ago. So I grew up with stories of crocodiles and villages and miracles of God working amongst these villages. And um, to go and spend time with these people that they love so dearly is such an incredible honor.
0: It's an honor for us to have you here. I can tell you this, Um, when we got off the plane, As you know, I was sort of born in a suit. Uh, (laughs) So when I got off the plane in the Solomons, I was dressed up in a dark suit. You said, that's not going to last too long. Um, We found it very hard. Uh, We got in our exercise at 7 in the morning because after 8 o'clock, the heat beats down upon you. You feel it's going to drive you into the ground. Um, There are mosquitoes. there's malaria and if you get malaria you get very sick. Do you take, we took malarial tablets because we were there for only a couple of weeks, do you take malarial tablets?
3: We started on it but we kept forgetting them so we've all come off them now.
0: (laughs) So really uh, we don't want to make this melodramatic, when you become a missionary in these places you put your life in a hazardous situation. So you've really got to trust God. Now, there's a young man here, Brady, he's going to, then we're going to get on to what we said we're going to talk about. So Brady, I want you to come over here, buddy. Brady, um, you've been there for almost a year and the people over there speak a a type of English that is called pidgin. They can understand the English I'm speaking. Um, Have you learned pidgin? And can you say something to me in pidgin?
2: Me mm. happy Thomas for meeting you and thank you Thomas for inviting me for Kamlo Blue Fala.
0: Well listen, can you say it again and just give me a little time to put this together and say it loud into the microphone and then I want all the folks here to concentrate on what this man is saying. The assistant manager of the Honey Hour Campaign. He is the assistant manager.
2: happy Thomas for Thomas for
0: Okay, what does that mean?
2: Thank you for... I'm very happy to meet you and thank you for, me, thank you for inviting me to your church.
0: Well, that's really sweet. I'm glad that you're here. <laughs> now, uh, Pastor Baum, tell us about the meetings. We went into this place and uh, you got a team of Solomon Islanders and they uh, didn't do a good job. I say this, we've run campaigns around the world. We've never worked with such a great team. We are personally proud of you because you put together such an amazing team. I want to say to the folks watching in Australia, you ought to support these people. You ought to send them offerings. You ought to support them because they're ambassadors for Christ. They're real missionaries. So we, you hired for us and we paid for it, of course, this great outdoor stadium, the national stadium. And then we had to build these great screens and put up towers for the projectors that we flew out to the Solomons. Uh, air cargo, $30,000 to fly that stuff out. And so you, you put all, got all this stuff going. Tell us about the meetings from your perspective.
2: As you know, I'd only just arrived there in the, the Solomons. You gave me the description of what you needed and wanted. And I began thinking, well, Lord, how are we going to do this? Big screens, um, how are we going to put this together? Thirty-foot screens. Yeah, huge screens. Nothing like um, Honiara had seen before. And so we started bringing this team of people together, and the Lord has really blessed us with a a fantastic team over there of builders, of of, um, carpenters, of of handymen. And they started building all of these things according to the, the designs that have been given. And uh, it wasn't too long that the things started to go up and take shape, and, and we're there ready for, for your arrival.
0: Tell us about, uh, from your perspective, uh, Carol, who was baptised during my stay. At what church was it again again? Wurrunga Church, I'm sorry. Now, uh, tell us from your perspective about the meetings.
3: It blew our mind, Pastor Carter. We just were not prepared. You could not prepare yourself for what we went through. Um, We knew there would be big crowds. We knew that the screens, we saw the screens going up and things like that. So that alone was exciting enough. But to turn up there and and see, I've never seen 30,000 people come to hear the word of God before. I've I've never seen responses to altar calls. And it it just completely, it was life-changing for us, not only them, for us as well.
0: Tell us about the altar calls from your perspective. You're the president of the mission there, Uh, not only an administrator but an apostle. Uh, Tell us about the, the altar calls when I invited the people to come down the
2: front. There was extraordinary to witness. There were just, started off with a trickle of people started coming down the front, and then that trickle started into a flood of people that came through of 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 people that would come down to the front. It was interesting, one night there was, I was standing up the back of the, the, uh, the soccer field, and I witnessed there was uh, four young men that were um, responding or were in a line, And as you you made the appeal for them to come forward, it was a long way down the back of the the soccer stadium, so they didn't come down the front. But there was one of them that, that put their hand up and responded to the call. And I watched the other three boys, as they watched their friend, commit his life to the Lord. And there was a little bit of ribbing, there was a little bit of you know, jibing of, as to what took place. But this young man continued to have his hand raised in a commitment to follow Jesus. And it just gave, that was one small story of what I saw of those thousands that, that came forward each night to commit their lives to Christ.
0: Uh, I've never spoken to such a good audience, um, or a better audience, I should say this. Uh, the people were totally uh, uh, attentive, uh, You couldn't hear a sound even the cry of a baby could and there must have been thousands of babies Uh, Carol do you remember the night when uh, I preached on it was a double session we had two sessions that night and the first one was on the state of the dead and the second meeting was on spiritism remember that meeting what happened
3: well you warned us at the beginning of that meeting uh to be ready for anything uh we knew that there were there were spiritual beings not happy that you were about to preach the message that you were presenting and so we were, we battened down the hatches ready for pretty much anything but out of all of the nights um, a rain came halfway through and people started moving, started standing as the rain came but you encouraged them You know, this is just temporary. This is someone who's not happy to hear this message. And so they stayed. And I have never seen 33,000 people stood there in the rain and listened to that really powerful message.
0: Uh, That was the power of God. I remember after the soloist sang, Sharon sang, I announced, now the second part of the program is on spiritism. And then the rain started to hit. And I got... I got soaking wet and there was water everywhere. Uh, Somebody told me later that maybe 50 to 100 people got up and left, mothers, but never left the place altogether. They went where they could get some shelter. But the rest of the people sat there, never moved, and we got, soaking wet together. It was a demonstration of the power of God. And when we had that altar call, that was our greatest altar call. We had about 10,000 people come forward for Christ to renounce the works of darkness. Now, Jacob, you were the, uh, one of my assistant managers. I had a few managers. Pastor Harker was a main manager. And uh, then you guys were the assistant managers. What did you do? Well, I,
3: um, I would help assist Daniel and Carlos in the PowerPoints. I would come and meet with um, them and you at about 2.30 each afternoon and we would set them up and make sure they were all running properly. When we arrived at the stadium, I would take the, um, the covers off the projectors and then start them up and then I would help run the PowerPoints during the, um, the actual program and then I would pack them up at the end of the day.
0: Now, never think these guys don't know a lot about computers. This young guy here, he knows even more than I do about computers, folks. <laughs> no, an absolutely, absolute whiz with Daniel and, and Carlos working the giant projectors and the computers, and that was his job. Now, Brady, I didn't check up on you so much, but what were you doing?
2: Um, every night after the singers would come out, I would go and get all the microphones out so when you would walk around you wouldn't trip over any microphones.
0: So you're the guy who kept me on my feet, really, weren't you? Yeah. Well, you, you earned your wages. And remember, while you guys are here, the assistant ma- No, you, we make you the managers of this whole program. You're in charge of the Carter Report, also raising the money. Now, uh, since we have left, what's happened? People say, uh, you know, you run these big campaigns, but when you're gone, everything fizzles and it dies. Uh... But let's back up. What about the baptism? Tell us about the baptism because one day I went outside my air-conditioned room (laughs) on the mission compound, and one of our pastors came over, and he said, we're going to have the baptism in this river, which is only a few hundred yards away, and there are crocodiles in that river. I said, it's not a problem to me because I never go in the water. I stand on the shore, and I, you know, put my arm up, and everybody follows me. But tell us about the baptism. We had a great Sabbath morning meeting. Tell us about the Sabbath morning meeting, and then tell us about the baptism when you baptized your son.
2: We had the, the Sabbath morning meeting about 10,000 to 12,000 people for the, the morning service. How many in church? Ten to 12,000. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we had a, a great time of worship. Betty Karma Choir, 100-voice choir, sang a, a great song. Beautiful,
0: beautiful. Moved us.
2: Some of our folks actually stood up, you know? We were really blessed. And then from the, the program, we, we headed then down to the Lunga River. And uh, the Lunga River, we've driven over that many times and, and uh, that's where our local car wash is. And uh, from, from that point, we, just the, the crowds went to the, the banks, the, the rivers, the shores, everywhere they could uh, find a, a position. And then we conducted the baptism of 524 precious saints. And there've been baptisms since then? There's a passage in the book of Acts that you haven't referred to this morning, uh-huh. and it says, that then the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. And that has continued to take place after the, the campaign. We've had baptisms right around the islands. We had people that were held up their mobile phones to the speaker towers in the... Listen um, to this. Listen to this. Some, some people from faraway islands that had travelled maybe two, three, four days to arrive and mm. had left their family at, at, um, at their home village. And so they would record the message on the the mobile phone and uh, send that back to their own village. In fact, there was one particular occasion where you were talking on heaven and our pastors actually heard this. Uh, You were talking on heaven and you took a a short pause during the, uh, to take a breath. And there was another voice that came in and and said, there's nothing there. And this was Satan using this medium to try and discourage, try to destroy the, the message that you had been speaking on that night. And that was something that was was being recorded to play to the the villages back home, so extraordinary what people were doing, um, not only traveling to get to the meetings and uh, and listen to the the program, but what they would do to send the message back home and so now the the message and the baptisms that have continued to happen since the particular program there are villagers that are, are ringing me and saying pastor we, we 're now an Adventist church, we want to be included in in all the the things that the church does. And so that passage in the book of Acts is, mm. is truly a, a passage that describes what is still taking place in the Solomon Islands. Uh,
0: this is extraordinary. Um, I was told, I heard it on the grapevine, that uh, some witch doctors have been baptised. Mm.
2: There was a baptism about two, three Sabbaths ago. And uh, we had one of our lay members come in and share with us this story of a, a village area that we had originally been uh, sent from because of the, the uh, devil priests that were there. And uh, the devil priests are still focused on, the, on heathenism practices, um, ancestral worship, um, and so forth. And, and these two devil priests um, hold a lot of control and sway within the local village. And just recently, we were invited to go back into that village, and there was a baptism of, of 60 uh, precious souls, and two of them were these former devil priests.
0: Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now, I want to say to the folks watching this telecast in Australia, around the world, we've got to do something, folks. We can't just hear this and talk about this, but we need to pray for the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon our, our own homeland churches. But I'm asking you to send me offerings for the Solomon Islands because you want to build, by the grace of God, yeah, a radio station. <laughs> You've got faith, brother. Yeah. You ought to be on our team. Now, <laughs> folks, we want to build a radio station in the Solomon Islands. I'm going to tell you a story. You know, we've got a pretty nice here, haven't we? You know, we've got a beautiful church. It's a great country. I offered you folks a job. I said, come over, be part of our team. And you turned me down cold. Why did you? I've been up to your home. There's an air conditioner on the wall. Inside, it's terribly hot. It's like a sauna. And the air conditioner is not running. I said to them, why haven't you got the air conditioner on? They said, we can't afford to run it. We want to put that money into saving souls. Why didn't you accept our invitation?
3: Very good question. Um, look, God called us to the Solomons. He'll yeah. tell us when it's, when it's time to leave. And it's just not yet. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Folks, um, these people are soldiers of the cross and they have seen the power of God and I want to say to the people around the world the best thing we could have done this year was to go to the Solomon Islands because that place glory be to Jesus will never be the same again thank you Jesus praise God God bless you thank you we're proud of you Thank you, uh, Assistant Manager. Thank you, Senior System Manager. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I could have told you other stories. I could have got Pastor Bohm to tell you how the witch doctors would go down to the ocean, mm-hmm. and the witch doctors would call the crocodiles. They would call the sharks. And they'd call the great snakes to come down from the mountains. Here, the devil is two-faced. Over there, he is barefaced. faced Remember the night when I was preaching. I'll never forget it, when I felt a hand here. hand here on my shoulder. I was sure it was one of my team members come to warn me about something. Those countries, you quickly come to the realization that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, that we are in the midst of a great controversy between Christ and Satan. On one occasion, the apostle Paul was talking to King Agrippa, and after he described his work and why he was true to the truth of the Messiah and how he'd been persecuted by the unbelievers, The apostle Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. May God help us not to be disobedient to the heavenly vision, but to be missionaries. I've gone to the valleys of the Waldenses in the north of Italy. I've gone to those places that were once drenched in the blood of the saints of God. And the Waldenses, who were people who stood out against the great apostasy of the Dark Ages, had a saying, and they wrote it up in their churches. I have seen it written in their language over the pulpits of their churches. Listen to it. Never forget it. Ye shall be missionaries or ye shall be nothing. Think about it. Ye shall be missionaries or ye shall be nothing. I say to you in the name of the Christ who sent me to preach by the grace of God, become an apostle for Christ and be a missionary for Jesus' sake. Amen. I want you to kneel as we pray. Were you blessed here today, folks? Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Dear Father, we thank you for the blessed gospel of Christ how blind most of us are. We read our Bibles but we have scales on our eyes. We don't want anyone, even you God, to disturb us in our comfort zone. But we thank you today there are people like Pastor and Mrs. Baum and those two fine young men who are missionaries for Christ in a place where they can get malaria where their lives can be taken through violence. But they are there because God has called them. We pray today that you'll bless Pastor and Mrs. Bohm, bless Brady and bless Jacob. Put your arms around this family and keep them from all harm. Dear Father, speak to the people who are watching this telecast that somehow you'll get into their hearts and that they will decide to become missionaries, people with a mission, and may they support this great work with their offerings so souls can be saved. Our Father, we pray a blessing upon our church. Open our eyes, dear Lord. Fill us with the Spirit of God. And might it be that we will say with the Apostle Paul, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And so our Father today, on our knees, we pray for the covering of the blood of Christ. Bless the work of God in the Solomons. Bless the work of God around the world, in the United States, in Australia, and bless us here today. Cover us with the blood of Jesus and put your spirit in our hearts and change our lives that we will live from henceforth for the glory of God. So we worship you, we bless you, we praise you, we thank you, we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen and amen.